tired of running out of ammo? Tired of your guns jamming up on you? Maybe you need some modifications to your weapons. Well, stop on by the Dukes of the Nuke. Not only do we have a world-class armory with the finest selection of wasteland weaponry, we also have our newly added mod station. But don't try anything funny. Our snipers can hit you from over 1,700 yards. And believe me, they're just as accurate as our prices. Ourselves. They're coming. It can't be. Where is everyone? Hey, survivors. So, makeshift here. Uh, I kind of like interjecting before the episode and just do a little bit of like a topical rant. I hope you don't mind. So, let's see. A couple weeks ago, Wasteland Weekend came out and said we are for sure on this year. Uh, and we're going to be vaccines mandatory, which of course stirred things up a little bit, but I think it makes sense. Uh, I actually just got my vaccination a couple weeks ago as well, and that means um, I am now fully vaccinated because it's been two weeks, so I'm good to go, good to party. And not only has Wasteland Weekend come out and said that they're on for this year, but also several other events have. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of all the things to look forward to this year, starting in June. So first up, we've got Atomic Falls coming up in June in Oklahoma. You can look for them at AtomicFallsUSA.com. And then across the pond, we've got Old Town Festival in Poland. It's on this year in July. Find more info on them at OldTownFestival.net. August is going to bring the apocalypse to Pennsylvania, back in the U.S., at Apox East. And their info is at ApoxEast.com. That's A-P-O-X-E-A-S-T.com. Uh, and then we've got two events coming in September. First is Luna Negra. This one's in Spain. You can find more info about them at Luna, L-U-N-A dash Negra, N-E-G-R-A dot E-S. And then of course, Wasteland Weekend at the end of September. Info of course at wastelandweekend.com. Next up is Detonation at Uranium Springs in Arizona. It got postponed from this spring to October. Info on that one at theeod.org. So T-H-E-E-O-D.org. And finally, Aftermath, which takes place in Alabama, is happening in November. So plan your trip at aftermathevent.com. So that's very exciting. I'm glad things are getting back to normal and we can start doing our, uh, our fun apocalypse festivals. There's all sorts of them all around the world, which is great. Well, this week I'm going to be talking to a man who represents a sport that is present at quite a few of these events called Jugger. There's several Jugger leagues around the world playing different versions of a game inspired by a movie that was inspired by a movie. <laughs> the first movie, of course, is The Blood of Heroes. The second, of course, Mad Max. If you ever get the chance to witness a game of Jugger, you're in for a treat. It's brutal. It's fast. It's full of ceremony and tradition. Uh, it's a good time. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy my chat with the co-founder of the Juggers of the Wasteland and the winningest captain of the Red City Juggers. Here's my interview with Commissioner Wacker. Welcome to the show, Commissioner Wacker. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm so happy to get to talk to you. I know we've done um, some coverage of the Juggers before in video form, but I think we'll be able to spend a little bit more time and know a little bit more about the game today. Great. Yeah, I, I look forward to uh, sharing some more information with everyone. We are a mysterious league. 
(laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what Jugger is and where it comes from. All right. Let's see here. Um, Jugger started um, as a movie in the uh, late 1990s. It's called uh, The Blood of Heroes. Or its original German title is uh, Salute to the Jugger. And it's a movie that stars Rutger Hauer and Joan Chen playing a post-apocalyptic blood sport that is a five-on-five melee-based game where the objective is to get the ball or the dog skull, because it's played with a dog skull, onto the other side of the field's stake, no matter what the cost. Um, and it is a, it's a movie that inspired us. You know, It's got a real warrior spirit. And uh, one of the things that we enjoyed the most about this movie was that it had a very team-based camaraderie, even though the Juggers are from different teams and they're fighting and they beat each other up and sometimes even kill each other. Um, it's all for the love of the game. And at the end of the game, they're all brothers and sisters. They're all Juggers. Jugger is a non-gendered term and Juggers are Juggers. And it was something that we really <laughs> found, uh, we really found um, enheartening and inspiring that it was uh, something we wanted to emulate. Uh, it, the playing of the game was something we did in its rudimentary form as reenactors with steel swords and weapons. It's also been played in the SCA before in a rudimentary form. But when oh, wow. when uh, Wasteland, and it was called Road Warrior Weekend the first time, um, arrived on the scene, um, my good friend and the man who honestly is the inspire inspiration and inventor of our league his name is uh, mark pipcorn um who's mm-hmm. part of the casino for many years i don't know if he still plays with them but he many years part of the casino um uh-huh. that's the and, uh, last chance casino yes tribe, sir right? yes sir yeah. and uh, he said uh, oh my god here's a venue where we could play jugger but like for real and that was yeah. the <laughs> that was the inception of the dream like oh my god we could do this we can play this game. We can make junk armor and use our skills as, as battle reenactors, live action fighters, live steel fighters, and um, bring this to the game, bring this game to the public and show them just how magnificent it is. Uh, that, was, that was the beginning of all of this craziness. Uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Yeah, that, yeah, that's so fun. Now, what, what would you say is the closest sport that um, would relate to that that uh, is in the real world that people would know? Rugby? <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah it's got a ball yeah, it's, it's got a, aggressiveness it's got mean people field hockey another one maybe yeah and i know that you know we've we've kind of likened it to football in that it's just two sports of i'm sorry two teams trying to move an item to the other side of the field right Very much so. <laughs> yeah um so what are the rules um because well, well let's start off with this what are the rules of the original in movie game because it's very violent it seems like um there, there almost are no rules other than get the skull to the other side. That is um, how the game is played in the uh, <laughs> in the film. Um, they don't seem to have any any problems with uh, with any kind of striking. Um, it we did manage by watching the film. I mean, this is it, it's amazing how much you can learn by watching a film over a hundred times, um, <laughs> taking notes. And we have, um, those of us that have been playing this for many years have taken notes and look at the way this works. Look at the way this works. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the combatives start and the, uh, quicks. Those are the two people that are allowed to touch the ball very much like a quarterback in football. Um, they uh-huh. engage, and no one touches the quicks until there's clear possession of the of the skull. And then from that point on, it's a fight from one side of the field to the other. Either 
you the team with possession is fighting to get to the other side of the field to put the skull on the stake, and the team that doesn't have the skull is fighting for dominion over that skull. So yeah. it's a it's an interesting dynamic, and what it requires from a team that's offensive is complete and total control of the field. That is the objective okay. of the enforcers. Um and of course the the team on the offense to get the skull back, they just want to crush their crush the quick and again gain control of the field so that they can get that skull and think. Right. And it's all timed with uh, not a stopwatch, not uh not anything normal. What how do you time this game? So they have a large metal plate and you hire somebody or you ask somebody very nicely who doesn't intend to watch the game because this is a big <laughs> point because you can't watch the game and throw the stones. You get distracted. Yeah. They have to turn their back to the game, which is almost, it, what do I mean? Almost it's, it's a crime. You can't watch the play. Yeah. Um, and they throw a stone one every five seconds. So it's think one, two, three, four, think one, two, three, oh, wow. four, think so when someone says 100 stones you're talking about five minutes five minutes in rubber armor in 110 degree heat running sometimes yeah. in the wind right it's yeah and that's interesting impressive. because like in a game like football okay so the game is an hour right mm -hmm. that's that's a long time to be playing it is um however uh you're not playing for much of that time there's a Football is a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. And e even with soccer, you don't have all the players following the ball around and playing at full tilt. You know, you kind of get to relax when the ball's not in your area. But uh, Jugger seems to be active for that full five minutes. It is extraordinarily active for that full five minutes. And when we're doing this, uh, it's um, it's all you've got to be paying attention to everything that you're doing at that time. You have to have your head in the game. You have to be looking from area to area. And you have to be doing as much as you can to um, mitigate the people on the field and you get dead time, um, not dead time, but you get dead points where there's nothing moving forward where it's just a fight. It's just a right. hands down, it's a brawl. And uh, there's where a lot of your time is, is mixed up is that it starts to become very, very um, back and forth and you have to make some kind of headway or you're just gonna die on that field. Okay, so getting back to the rules a little bit, um, your... Your version of Jugger and the movie match in this point is that um, each of the positions are all the same. Can you tell me about each position and what their what their goal is? Yes, I can. Um, so the first and foremost for the positions would be the quick. Um, the quick is arguably the most important player in the game because the quick is the only person who can touch the skull. Mm -hmm. So that is their case in point. They can touch the skull. No one else can. That means that you can't hook it. You can't hit it with your stick. You can do nothing to it, but but move. Let the quick move it. So if you're an enforcer, you can't touch the skull at all. So your next position is uh, a catch-all phrase that we call enforcers. Um, and what an enforcer does is they have uh, one of three positions on the field. This is a classification enforcer. Um, you have uh, the slash, which is the enforcer that carries the very large hooked stick which we call a gaff. Um, they have a hook and a, and a basher at one end. Um, the, the, uh, their primary, primary job is to hover over the quick and keep them safe. Um, although they do break off and provide support in other teams and players. You have the drive, typically a player with a double-ended stick. Um, and by the way, the enforcers are all wearing very heavy armor. 
because they're the ones that are actively in, engaged with stick-to-stick melee. Um, the drive, which is usually a double ender, that is a forward position that comes in and, and has that slashes back as his, as his backup and cover. And then the back charge, which is also a stick position, can have Sometimes they have a gaff. We really don't use a lot of people with gaffs. Gaffs are very dangerous. I can explain that later why they're dangerous. Um, but another double-ended beater, which is what we call our sticks, we call them beaters. Um, and he hangs back, or <laughs> they hang back by the uh, by the stake, and they can't. So if a jugger breaks free from the other side and makes a play for the stake, back charges there to make sure they don't get too far. And the uh, the last position that I'll talk about is my personal position for many years, um, is the chain. And uh, the chain is a anywhere from six to nine feet long, wielded in one hand or sometimes in two hands. It can be on a staff. There are many configurations for chains, but the chain's job is a primary damage dealer and an area of effect and denial. So by using a chain, you can use the wide arc of your chain to cover an area and give your quick a lot of space. Um, when I played with Red City for many years, my primary job was to make a mess and give the quick cover to run towards the stake. Um, different chains have different jobs. So everyone plays the sport a little differently than normal, than, than, than someone else does. So it's it all depends on the team and their, and their, uh, their dynamic how they like to play. Like, for instance, um, Red City has always been a very aggressive team. They have a lot of a lot of big chargers, a lot of heavy people. And um, like um, one of our one of our, our star um, quicks was Torque. Very aggressive player, very vicious player. Um, take that in context and as an opposition to uh, Army of LA, which had um, Wolf Girl. Wolf Girl as their star quick was a very much much smaller quick, very fast, um, did not like to get into engagements and had to avoid them at all costs. So there's, it's all dependent on, on that team's <laughs> setup. And it's like, it's like building a character. How do you build your team? How do you want to play? Yeah. Yeah. To it. A lot of tactics involved. And, um, as far as, uh, what you guys do differently, I know, um, in the blood of heroes, not many of the players in the movie actually suffered catastrophic injuries. Um, but of course they played in a game where there was a very real chance of, of massive injury or death. What modifications have you had to do to your version of jugger so it can be played in the real world where killing your opponent would be uh, a bad thing? <laughs> I want to first say that we've started this game playing it very hard. Um, and for the first several years, we had at least one person leave the field in a stretcher every time we play. Wow. So you can look at the early pictures and the early videos of us playing, and you can see um, from my own personal laundry list of injuries playing the game, I've had both of my shoulders dislocated. Um, I've had my instep broken. I've had a rib broken. Um, we've had broken fingers. We've had broken wrists. We've had concussions. We've had people um, that have been hauled off the field with stomach injuries, leg injuries, pulled groins, tendon damage. Um, so it's taken a long time of us experimenting on ourselves to get to a point where we've eliminated the, the factors that really cause a lot of injury. So there's a lot of design that goes into the weapons to make them less lethal, weight, foam density. Like nerfing a little bit? A little bit. The difference is, is that... Um, a lot of this also has to do with making our players more conscious of their strength levels, conscious of their striking, 
so that our players are modified to be safer. We don't just let anyone come out and play the, play the game. Juggers are made. Juggers have to be made. You have to train people to be this. So there are restrictions to striking. Um, we don't allow thrusting to the face. We don't allow thrusting at all because the thrust is hard to gauge. And if someone's running and you thrust them in the face, you could potentially break their jaw. You could break their neck. You could hurt them extraordinarily badly without even really trying. Um, striking people from behind happens on occasion. We try to never strike for the head from behind. If uh, one of our, our main rules is if, if somebody hits you from behind, they have the opportunity to crush your skull. You're down. You're done. That person had your back. You, do, you could not defend yourself. Um, so we've, we've modified the players and the way they strike. We've modified the weapons and the way they hit. Things as weird as a chain. Um, chains are very dangerous. Uh, chains can wrap a limb really easily. And the SCA learned a long time ago that if you wrap a limb and pull it, you pull it right out of the socket. That's how my first arm dislocation happened. Um, so we've added stretch points to chains. We've added breakaway links to chains. We've added a lot of uh, fail-safe factors for the weapons that are a little more dangerous than others. And remember how I mentioned earlier that the, uh, the gaff hook, the hook that we use for slash, is a dangerous weapon that we don't give it to a lot of people? Very same reason is that without proper training, you can grab that limb and pull it right out of the socket without even really trying. So in order to be approved to use a gaff, we have to have a lot of training for those players. Did that answer the question or did I diverge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and um, in the movie, uh, if you wanted someone to be taken out of play, you basically sat on them once they were down um, and didn't allow them to physically get up. Do you still do you play that way or is it more of like a you need to be down for five seconds? How does that work so that you can actually make movements up the field? OK, here's the way this works. If somebody puts a pin on you and they knock you to the ground on a valid kit and they, and they, they, they incapacitate you and they sit on you, you're down. Now, you can try to get up, you can try to get up, but I'm going to guarantee you that the person giving you the pin is going to bite you. So yeah, we, we do work with pins. I've been pinned before. It's frustrating as hell. It makes you really angry. Um, and as far as hit requisition goes, um, we are not hitting at full strength. That would be very, very hard. Um, a lot of us could hit really, really hard. But um, we have a, a designation for how you've been struck and where you've been struck that tells us how long you should be down. This is one of the things that a ref does. Oh, okay. Um, the ref is, 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 is an incredibly important player. Um, and our high referee, um, the fixer, has spent a decade learning how to watch the players, watch for injuries, watch for excessive roughness, and watch for people that are not honoring their strikes. This is all a, a huge, huge uh, list of responsibilities for him that's had him you know, bring in a few of the other, the other referees um, that have been helping him do just a fantastic job at keeping us safe and keeping us honest. Uh <laughs> and is that something he can do in real time? Like, can he call out your name and be like, Whacker, get down? Or is it something where he has to stop the game and say, you know, you got hit, uh, let's start again, but you've got to be down for the first five seconds or something like that. No, it's corrective behavior. Um, it's corrective behavior in the fact that if it, if it happens and he catches it, he's like, no, it's, it's happened to me. Um, I've been uh, cited for being unnecessarily rough. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, every player, so I'm going to say this now, every player has those moments. We call it ramping up in the game. That's that's actual uh, an actual jugger, jugger terminology. 
is we call it ramping up. So the crowd imparts energy to you. And this may sound like, like hippie trippy, but the truth of the matter is when you've got 200 people begging for blood, your body will respond. And you get excited and you get fast and you, you may not realize it. The, the, the crowd, we call it the mob. The mob has eaten you and you are starting to respond. Oh, yeah. So you'll start playing harder. And then either your teammates, sometimes teammates. I remember uh, a really heated altercation between myself and City Buster when we both came at each other like we were trying to just kill each other. And he's grabbing onto my arm or screaming, you're ramping up, you're ramping up. And I've got him going, you're ramping up, you're ramping up. And after the, after the engagement was over. He's another very big guy. A general city buster is just a, a force of nature on the battlefield and an amazing jugger and captain of the, uh, <laughs> captain of, uh, of, of uh, Los Angeles, um, the Los Angeles city juggers, the gold team. Um, and, uh, the fixer comes up and goes, no, you're both out. <laughs> you, both of you are out of play. You, you both are going to kill each other. Please just sit down. And, we sit down and look at each other and go, yeah, we were kind of out of control. So, um, yeah, But it happens as corrective behavior. And on occasion, if, if the action is dangerous, he will stop the game. And he has stopped the game um, in instances where it has been unsafe for the players to continue to play. So, you know, I'm, I am constantly in awe of his attention to detail. And his attention to to uh, to logistics and his foresight, uh, he's a fantastic asset to the community and to our team, especially our team, especially he's a magnificent asset to the league. Yeah, and he's also kind of part of the show, right? Oh, yes, he is. He is. He is. Uh, well, he's he's part of our founders. He's helped us as a as a very much needed voice of reason when passions ensue. Um, <laughs> Man has the man has a, a very stable heart and a very firm and sound mind, and he will go. You're being overpassionate. You need to stop now. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's wonderful. So speaking of um, speaking of keeping everybody safe, you guys do wear armor. Can you tell me a little bit about? But it, but it's a post-apocalypse um, game. So obviously you don't have manufactured armor like like the New England Patriots. Um, <laughs> what are you guys using for armor, and how do you make sure that everyone is safe when they're playing? So we have a list of requirements for things that we do for armor. Um, we have a list of banned materials. Um, in the early days, we used things like zip ties to hold things together after quickly learning that um, a zip tie with a cut end is just as good as a razor blade. So we don't use things like zip ties or hard fixtures, bolts, nuts. Um, we try to stay away from hard materials. We try to stay away from things like aluminum. Um, we try to stay away from things like jagged shapes or pieces of plastic. Um, not to say that those things cannot be used, but they have to be used in a way that keeps them rounded so that they're safe. Not only from other players running into them, but you hurting yourself on your armor. Um, so when we start training potential juggers, new bloods or initiates, as we like to call them, um, we help them design their armor according to the position that they play. Different positions require different armor. So... A person that is going to be playing an enforcer is going to need a lot of protection for their head, their shoulders, their spine, and their knees and their shins. You know, the parts of their joints where they're going to be struck, their hands too. Um, in juxtaposition to a quick who really needs the mobility to be able to move up and down the field and to roll into a lot of the very athletic complex movements um, that require them, that, that they require to get away from being struck. Um, this also is, um, different from what chains wear. Chains need to have free access to that arm or the arms that they're using to play. So you don't have a lot of chest plates. 
or shoulder plates on chains. They, they have to have the ability to move their arms and they have to have the ability to control their arms and not, and not get hung up. Because if their chain gets hung up on them or, or they get hung up on their armor, they can cause an injury, they can injure themselves. So we take each person and we build, we help them build their armor to their specifics, to their, to their specific body type, to their specific play style. And then training, when we train during the off season is a large part of how we do that is each person's armor ends up being uniquely theirs. That's really cool uh, how, how each jugger is kind of creating their own armor. I love that. It's a fantastic part of becoming um, becoming initiate to the, to the whole process. You, you you step into this this league, and you're told you're going to need to protect yourself. You know it's dangerous uh-huh. to go alone. Take this. Um, <laughs> so we begin showing them how this works, and we begin using our information and our prior years of knowledge to help them craft armor. And then there's another neat thing something that people may not know about unless they've been around juggers a long time. I and mean, it's something we call um, jugger bones. Jugger bones. When a player leaves the field, they have the option, and we ask them to if they wish to, um, to leave their armor so that a part of them stays in the league and a part of them is on that field. Oh, so you mean if they're actually leaving the league altogether? Mm-hmm. So we have pieces from players that haven't played in eight years. Oh, um, Wow. I wear a jacket that is from one of our wonderful founding members, um, Lydia Crow Mama, Mama Crow. And she uh, she left a leather jacket. She left some other pads, and those pads were distributed amongst the other players. And I took the jacket, um, and I wear that jacket when I play. And I always wear that jacket when I play because it's her jacket. And Mama Crow's jacket lives on that field, and it always will. Um, and it's something that's really important to us as a, as a culture, as a jugger as a culture, is that we have these remembrances that one of the things we say is, you know, juggers live forever. You'll hear us, you'll hear us say that when we're playing, you'll hear us scream that at the end of a match, juggers live forever. And that's because we do, because we remember each other and we give each other that honor. Um, as long as someone strides the field with a dog skull, the names of our fallen, the names of our are retired, they will be remembered. And that's something that's really important to us as juggers. That's beautiful. There, there is like so much of this almost medieval, not dark ages, but Renaissance honor that comes into um, Jugger as you play it. And I know that several of your members are also big into like uh, Ren fairs, Renaissance Guilty. fairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that where you get a lot of these ceremonial aspects to to the show you put on? Some of it, yes. Um, some of it just feels right. <laughs> um, some of it just feels right. It's you know, this, this is something that's important. This is something that needs to be honored. This is something that needs to be showcased. Um, giving their player, giving our players their time, giving our players the the due honor and glory that they've received and earned. Um, it does have its roots in feudalism in some points, um, but also because we are trying to create. Um, in Jugger, a culture of unity, family, equality, and, you know, just this kind of wholeness, this family. A lot of us consider this a family. It really is. And we try to make it as family as we can. Um, I love my Juggers. They step on that field and they make the same risks that we all do. And uh, I'll fight to protect them. And they'll fight to protect me. It's 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 a cyclical, beautiful relationship. And I, I'm really... 
proud and blessed to have it. And, and I really love it. Yeah, I've definitely seen the elements of uh, a, a brotherhood and sisterhood in the Juggers, and I, I think that's a really cool thing. Thank you very much. I'm glad. I'm glad it shows. <laughs> oh, it sure does. Um, something else I wanted to ask, and we've talked about this before in some of the videos that have showed up on the Apocalypse Post before. Mm-hmm. Um, how much? And this may have changed over time, so it's why I want to bring it up again. Mm-hmm. How much of Jugger, the way you play it, is is real sport? How much of it is theater? You know. Um, and forgive the connection, but is it like pro wrestling where things are kind of decided ahead of time and you're acting out what you've decided or are you really playing the game? So yeah, tell me how, how much of it's real. How <laughs> dare you even implied. Okay. Um, the truth of the matter is, is there are no scripts in Duggar. Um, We don't step onto the field saying, well, Red City's going to win this year or, or, you know, um, the nomads are going to win this year or, or army of LA is going to win this year. And we never do this. This never happened. So any goal that you see scored is a goal that was earned. All right. Um, we, the only, I would say show aspects that we do are pulling hits or what we sometimes call selling hits. So for an instance, um, you'll see in the video, in one of the videos that came out about us was made by a, a, a director named John Inge, who's a fantastic director and wonderful photographer. And he did a video of us that's just Duggars of the Wasteland on YouTube. There's a moment where I get hit square in the jaw and my head turns and I fall down. <laughs> uh, that was a crash uh, from the fighting ring, from the, from, the, from the gladiators. And that was not scripted at all. He knocked me straight to the ground. He hit me right in the face and I fell down. Um, there was a moment where, where one of our um, quicks was picked up and thrown to the ground. This was kind of staged. The only thing that was staged about it was that he didn't drop him on his head. He threw him on his back where it was safe. Um, so instances will occur where we will play up the instance, but we don't really plan the instance. We don't go, I'm going to go grab you and throw you at the ground. You're going to do a barrel roll and get up. And it's never (laughs) like this. There is no stage choreography for what we do. But what we do is we instance train people how to fall, how to sell a hit, how to do a turnaround. And we have our players. This is one of the reasons why our players play with members of our league is because the members of our league are used to playing with one another. So we have the ability to play off of each other's movements and strengths. That makes a much more dynamic game because we're, we know each other really well. Um, and it makes it even more challenging for us, the players, because we have to get around these people that we know very well and get one over on them. It's really kind of difficult sometimes. <laughs> but it's about, I would say it's about 70 to 80% game and 20% show. It very, that's what you can call it. You know, it's, it's not, there's not a whole lot of, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's theater at the beginning of it, and there's a little bit of theater in the middle of it. But for the most part, I mean, the lion's share of this is we're trying to win. There's there's a lot of a lot of egos going around in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, so recently, and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a a a video of a jugger league. I'm not even sure where it was that went viral on Facebook. It was on the Sports Bible page. Mm-hmm. Did you did you happen to see this? I'm no, I did not actually. Um, I have, I'm not very much on Facebook. <laughs> no worries. But, um, okay. So it shows a group of athletes that they're playing the same game you do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're playing a version of Jugger, mm-hmm. but they do it a little bit different. First off, they're not in costume. It, it looks like they're wearing more like rugby jerseys. So, yeah, I guess the question here is, how many different Jugger leagues would you guess there are? And what are some of the different ways they're playing? Okay, there are a lot of Jugger leagues. People have been <laughs> playing the sport in some form or fashion since the, be- since, you know, the inception of, of the, uh, the movie. Um, since the beginning of the movie and, uh, the, the, we refer to them as, um, because they're wearing jerseys, you either call them, we call them t-shirt juggers because they're wearing t-shirts. They're not wearing helmets. Um, the weapons they're using are fiberglass core. They're a lot more like a LARP weapon and they tend to have, they're very soft. Um, they play their own version of the sport. It has its own dangers and its own, they don't have a stake. They have a bowl that they put the skull into. Um, which is, you know, if you're not going to be padded up and going to be, be playing hard, it's a lot safer. And that is their version of the game and they love it and they excel at it and they have their own, they have their own everything. And, um, Juggers of the Wasteland, um, absolutely supports what we call t-shirt juggers. And that's great. I love that they have a sport and they make the sport known. Um, there's also a, a, a burgeoning Czech league. And they've contacted us because they've used some of our photographs for their own things and their own armor. And we call ourselves armored, armored juggers. So this is an armored jugger league. We are an armored full contact jugger league. And then we have the, the uh, t-shirt um, contact jugger leagues. That's just what we refer to them as. I don't know what they refer to themselves as, but we think they're great because they get the name out there and they're having, they're having fun and being active. What's bad about that? You know? Are there any other leagues, um, any other teams that aren't part of Juggers of the Wasteland that would fit in with your league? Like, could you ever have um, a Super Bowl? We're we're working on this, and the, a lot of the reasons um, that we we would love to see leagues form in other places, but what we're really concerned with is being able to do oversight for safety standards and equipment standards, um, because when we step out on that field, we're risking a lot, and that mean would be mean risking my players. And risking all the juggers against you know unknown circumstances, which could lead to people being very badly injured. So um, we're in talks with a few other uh, groups of teams um, to see if we can bring other states together and perform, you know, do our play our game, play the game that we love so much together, and uh, and see how that how that works out. We haven't uh, been able to do this yet. We haven't. We've had um, people get really close, and then inner struggles and strife and teams fall apart and no one has time for it anymore, but we're still working with a few, a few different leagues. Um, some of them on the East coast that, um, are trying to get together. Oh, cool. Uh, to, oh yes. They're trying to get together, um, a league to come out and, uh, and see what we do and learn what we do and, uh, play with us. And we really enjoy that where it's just a lot of logistics involved. We've got the entire, the entire, uh, founders council and high council working on, um, all of the questions that need to be answered to make that possible. But we are definitely open, definitely open and even looking forward to seeing leagues expand. Um, who knew, uh, awesome. you know, in, in 2009, this is going to go this far. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, all right. So if someone wants to join Juggers of the Wasteland, so that's your league, mm-hmm. um, what should they know first? And then what should they do to get involved? All right. So one of the things they're going to have to know first is that um, they should watch the videos that you made on our stuff. They should certainly watch <laughs> You Will Get Hurt. Um, yes. They need to watch You Will Get Hurt. Um, they need to watch the accompanying videos to that. And uh, as much of the media that has video of us playing as they can consume. 
Um, I want people that are interested in playing to know that the sport is rough and that this sport is something that you take with a lot of heart and they need to be prepared to get banged up a little bit if they're going to come out and play. Um, they also need to understand that their physical fitness and their, um, their endurance is going to be tested. They're going to have to perform at a specific level to be juggers. Um, in the recent, just, just before, just before the COVID hit and we all had to take our hiatus, um, the league had entered a, um, entered, uh, talks with, um, the captains and the high council that discuss something that we have decided to implement called the Forge Initiative, um, which is a series of fitness standards and earmarks that will make players on the field um, safer players and stronger players, because that means they're not going to get as tired as fast, and they're going to have the physical capabilities to keep going so that we don't have to um, we don't have to keep pulling them out and replacing them. So it's going to be a better class of player, a better level of player, a safer level of player. Um, and uh, that's something that we're going to be implementing as soon as we have in-person practices again. Um, what a person that wants to um, be part of the league needs to understand at this point is that their training is their responsibility and they should start getting their endurance up. They should start uh, strength training. They should start getting their bodies ready to handle stress and ready to handle heat. And um, so media consumption, get your body ready. And those are the things that I would say they need to know. And they need to go to a website or a, a page on Facebook called Duggers of the Wasteland Tryouts. Oh, okay. I didn't know and that, that is, one existed. It ju we, just, we just put this together as, as the COVID has started to back off. We want to get people's, um, people's attention back on the league. Um, and come out of high, come out of our hiatus, and we want to come back strong. So anybody that is interested in doing this would like to go to Juggers of the Wasteland tryouts and read the information there, so that they can have an idea if they want to be. Um, this is also for support players. If people want to be a part of the league but not play, they can do that as well. We more than welcome to have support players and logistics. Um, they can be refs. They can do. There's always jobs in the. <laughs> <laughs> got it and i know you even have um um like announcers to kind of call the game as it's played too we do um we and you've been one of those <laughs> very i recently. have been i yeah. have been i enjoy it i enjoy it but i oh just something about standing on that level ground and look at my uh, look at my juggers in the eye when they're playing it's it's a it's a lovely feeling um and it's one i i hope to have again real soon i've been oh, missing good. my missing the field a lot yeah speaking of which you have um uh it was a knee injury right that kind of pulled you out um, no, I had, uh, I had both of my shoulders dislocated during specific different periods of time. And, uh, I had a shoulder dislocation and that kind of made me wean back from teams altogether. And, uh, it, I lost, uh, I lost some months of work because of an injury that I couldn't afford. And, uh, that put me in a bad place. So I was, um, asked to, uh, <laughs> to not play by my wife and other concerned parties like uh -huh. you don't have to listen to us but we're really tired of like taking you back together so i'm like okay um i would like to take the time to announce my return to the field oh good yay <laughs> i will be coming back to the field as an enforcer i am wearing no banner i am coming back where the league needs me um and i am looking forward to uh striding the field with my fellow juggers again i, I love Oh, fantastic. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you play again. Ah, 
Thank you. <laughs> um, so I was just watching this movie also from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Tell me if you're familiar with it. Solar Babies. I've seen little bits of it. It's about roller, <laughs> there, it's about roller skating. <laughs> yeah, there's another there's another post-apocalypse game called Skateball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminded me so much of Jugger, how Jugger took like rugby or field hockey and turned it into a whole new thing. Um, solar Babies took, uh, what's that? What's the sport? Um, roller derby. Yeah, roller It's derby. kind of roller derby with a ball and they're basically mm-hmm. trying to get baskets. Yeah. Uh, could you see something like that working in in, uh, in an atmosphere like Wasteland as well? The only thing that would be the problem would be the terrain. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, I could see this working in a uh, in an abandoned field, like a, like, a, like a concrete lot or something. But uh, I would absolutely love to see people put this game on because it would be just a wonderful, a, a wonderful flavor to see. It's, it's, it's got a lot of movement, got a lot of dynamic action. You can do so much with this. Um, and I would love, I would love to see that. That would be phenomenal. Right. And speaking of terrain, um, you know, football players, baseball players, soccer players, they're very coddled on the professional level with the fields they get to play on. Uh, you guys are not. <laughs> <laughs> Say the least. <laughs> so tell me, tell me about, um, well, I know you guys practice in a park with grass, but mm-hmm. when you're, when you're actually at Wasteland, what's the terrain like? Uh, the terrain is. Um, rocky and uh, a lot of loose sand, a lot of loose dirt. Um, but here's what we do. Um, and I've been part of the clearing field now for probably four years is um, this is something that our support team does. And I work with our support team on this and I always will. Um, we go out to the field, we mark it off and then we move through the field systematically removing large stones and filling holes. Um and even during play, if we find a hole or a, a big rock or something that we can remove, we remove it. So we try to remove as many of the obstacles, we call them ankle breakers, as we can. And they, they still happen, but um, we do rake the field. We do dress the field, which we call the pitch. So we have someone that comes out and does maintenance the pitch and then uh, make sure that it's safe enough for our players to run on without worrying. Um, we're really cautious with it for night games because night games are just a whole nother dynamic. Oh yeah. Cause you can't see much of anything. Mm-hmm. Night games are amazing. They're an experience to be seen an experience to be played. They are unique. They are dynamic and they are visually stunning. Right. Yeah. Cause they, you're, you're usually set up right in front of the stage. So you get that like backlighting through the dust oh, it's and amazing. it's, it's these colorful LEDs. It looks, it looks really cool. It's beautiful and playing in it. It's, it's like living in a Ridley Scott movie. It's probably the greatest <laughs> thing ever. It's like, this is amazing. Oh, that's so true. Huh? And then mm-hmm. you also get to see exactly how much dust you guys are kicking up oh, and breathing in. Oh yeah. Uh, how how does that treat you? Because, yeah, the desert's very dusty. A lot of us wear face masks. A lot of us wear bandanas over our nose. Um, the only thing that has ever really stopped one of our games is a dust storm. Yeah. It's like, you know, the last two, year, last two years, our, our last game of the run for Wasteland has been kiboshed because of a lot of dust and our players can't breathe through that dust. That's the only thing that'll stop us. Um, we're, we would love to get, um, you know, water on the ground. If we could like, <laughs> if we could only get a water truck to like just miss the ground a little bit, oh, it'd be yeah. a little easier. 
Um, but I understand it's a very precious commodity to throw around like that. I mean, we're, we're juggers, but we're not, you know, not water <laughs> gods. It's like, you know, <laughs> we got a lot of clout, but come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and props to you guys. I know you fought through, um, some some later storms than what you've not fought through. You know what I mean? Like like you've you fought through some wind. You fought through a lot of dust. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of your games are actually during the uh, ninety plus degree days, mm-hmm. uh, and that that can be pretty brutal. So um, you guys, you know, you've gone through a lot. Yeah, you've definitely. I, I believe you say earned your medal. <laughs> yes, we have absolutely. <laughs> we've absolutely earned our medal, people that have strode that field and call themselves juggers, they have earned that right. That is something that they have absolutely earned is to stand stand up and say, I am a jugger. And once they've worn the title, they wear the title. And I'm very happy and very proud of a lot of the things that I've seen happen on that field. A lot of people have uh, grown um, physically, they've grown spiritually. Um, learned a lot by being on that field and played a lot on that field. And they have, they've gone through some real hardships to get to where they've been. And uh, it's, it's an experience. I'm really proud of the juggers. What do you see for the future of the juggers of the wasteland? What would you like to see? So we have um, the forge initiative is something I'm really excited about. Um, I'm excited about it because the forge initiative has the potential to reach into people's lives in their daily life and and help them attain their fitness goals and their health goals and give them it's, it's given me um initiative to keep working out and to keep exercising and keep improving my health um i really want to see that part of the culture step up i want to see um people take the game in a serious nature i want them to train i want them to train outside of our practice days because i can't train you i can instruct you we can practice but i want people to start training at home and I'd like to see that level of dedication and I'd like to see that level of commitment and heart brought back to the game in a lot of ways. And I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see new teams form. Um, I have always wanted a team from the Citadel. Anyone listening? Team from the mm-hmm. Citadel. Um, <laughs> God, the war boys on my field. Ugh, it's just something that does it for me. Oh, that would be great. And what I, a, what a, what a oh, visual to, to see. Oh, yeah. Um, we want to see the expansion of the league and the expansion of Jugger in the other events take the same kind of lead that we have in our safety and our, our, our equipment requirements and grow the league into something that is just exponentially larger than it is now and have like a huge Jugger family. Jugger worldwide, damn it. <laughs> Let's just say the future needs to be Jugger worldwide. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So find out more about the Juggers on Facebook. And you you did mention the recruiting site, but what's the site where we can just find more information about seeing your matches? Um, that we're going to put everything on our, on our Juggers of the Wasteland is a, uh, a fan page. Juggers of the Wasteland fan page is also on Facebook. Um, that is the site where it is accessible to everyone. Um, and the Juggers of the Wasteland tryouts is for people that are interested in participating in the league. Gotcha. And then I know your main performance every year is Wasteland Weekend, but you also host your own event. Tell me a little bit about that. So the Jugger Winter Games was an event that was started, um, six years ago. Yeah. Now it was actually started as a fundraiser. (laughs) <laughs> for uh for Ron um for Central Garage. Ah. And um we held it twice 
at his property out there in Cali City, and then it got too big, and we moved to uh, George Air Force Base. And what it is, is it is the culmination of the season, the final jugger matches for the game, and we um, invite vendors and performers and wastelanders to come and camp in a family-friendly environment. So your kids can't come to Wasteland Weekend, but they certainly can come to the Jugger Winter Games so that they can see what all the fuss is about. We have <laughs> we have cars, we have performances, we have cultural performances, and of course, the, the centerpiece to this cavalcade of apocalyptic whimsy is... <laughs> rousting games of jugger along with performances and fights by the uh, by the gladiators as well we have a lot of there's so much going on that you have to see it but the thing that's neat about the jugger winter games is that it all takes place in a smaller venue that is a little bit more intimate and it's a little bit more hands-on in that way not to say that you don't get plenty of immersive action at wasteland weekend it's one of the greatest experiences i've ever had this is just a teeny little slice of it in a very compact area and it's really lovely um, I, uh, I, I'm really sad that we weren't able to do it, but you know, we're, we're not going to kill people because we want to have fun. So, <laughs> and are there plans to bring it back? There are definitely plans to bring it back. Um, last, the last, uh, time we put the event on, it was bigger than it's ever been. And it pulled in more customers than it ever has. And it had more family members come and, we had such a positive response and experience that we can't help but bring it back and bring it back bigger because it got we were bursting at the seams. We we're like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is big. I mean, we expected a turnout, but we got a turnout. Awesome. Um, and you mentioned families. This is an all ages event, right? Yes, sir. This is an all ages event. We actually have an area set up for little ferals that um <laughs> that is run by some fabulous people. Bear Fulton and his uh and his his group of friends and his family come out and they help us with crafts and um, raffles. And there's a barter station for children as well. And they're more than welcome to come inside the event and see all the neat things. Um, it's, it's an experience. My, I have three children of my own that have been, you know, every year they enjoy the, they enjoy the heck out of this event. And they're like, dad, are we going to do it again? Yes, we're going to do it again. We just have to wait for the diseases to go away. <laughs> it is coming back and it is coming back strong. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And um, I think it's so cool that you guys do in all ages because I know a lot of people wait, um, want to get into Wasteland uh, that are under 18, you know, because you start, you become a teenager, you start to want to like find your people. You want to find people that are interested in what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're into any kind of subculture uh, at all, Wasteland is a great place to explore that. Um, but it's 18 plus and you know, that's because the event is large and, uh, you gotta, you know, keep it safe and keep your insurance costs down. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's so good that you guys are able to provide, uh, an outlet pretty close relatively to that same site of, of wasteland, but invite everybody to come along. It's, uh, it was a, a real goal for us to be able to bring friends and family, um, out to see what we do, especially because, uh, again, just exactly like you said, we have plenty of initiate wastelanders that have come out in their, in their costumes and they're like, wow, is it going to be like this? Like, no, dude, it's going to be about 80 <laughs> degrees hotter. Um, and they get that heads up. Hey, this is something that's neat. These are people that know stuff and they get kind of a, a warm welcome to wasteland hospitality, which honestly is some of the most hospitable people I've ever met in my life. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a nice 
jumping off point for going down that dirty, rusty road that we all love so much. That's so fun. Awesome. Um, I think we pretty much covered it. Is there anything else that I'm missing here? I don't think so. I think you've got it pretty well covered. I'm very happy to impart this information and emotion to you. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure to follow you guys. Um, I wasn't there in 2010 when you put on the first demonstrations, but uh, (laughs) I don't think I've missed a wasteland um, being able to catch you guys uh, do the play the game um, (laughs) since. And it's been uh, really fun to watch you grow um, and just watch Juggers join the league and, and find so much fulfillment through it. Thank you for coming with us. Thank you for documenting the things you have. You've put together some really beautiful pieces to help people see who and what we are. And uh, we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. (laughs) It's, I mean, the pleasure is all mine for real. I just love telling Wastelanders stories. And I mean, you guys put on a hell of a show. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. We bleed for you. We say it at the end and the beginning of each one of our performances. Every time we play, we bleed for you. And it's always true. It always will be. We bleed for you. Awesome. All right, Survivors, this has been Commissioner Wacker. You can see him play and perform at the very next Wasteland and at the very next Winter Games put on by the Juggers of the Wasteland. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. If you hated it, share it with your enemies in a giant gift horse that's in no way filled with warriors. That's it for this one, Survivors. Stay alive. Hey, Survivors, if you want to help support The Apocalypse Post and get some rad merch in exchange, head over to theapocalypsepost.square.site, where you can pick up some patches, postcards, or our newest edition, a set of guitar picks. Or get yourself a limited edition Apocabob pin. This little man is showing the world that all it takes to survive the end times is a gas mask and a dream of, well, just staying alive.